From Press Communications, LLC, this is Jersey Shore Matters with Diane de Oliveira. Summer is a time for people to enjoy the beaches, lakes, rivers, pools, and water parks, but water can be dangerous, especially for children who can drown in as little as two inches of water. Joining me today is Maureen Donnelly, a registered nurse and the Safe Kids Coordinator for Southern New Jersey, led by Cooper University Healthcare. To talk about water safety, thanks so much for being on the show, Maureen. Sure. Thank you for having me. According to preliminary data from the New Jersey Department of Health, in 2022, at least 28 people drowned in natural waters. You know, I'm not sure if there are any statistics for New Year drownings, but every season we hear about numerous reports of children and adults needing to be rescued, including from unguarded areas. A lot of times these are just common sense things, but we hear about these tragedies every year and they are preventable. So Maureen, let's just start with some ways we can prevent drownings at home. What are some tips that people can do around the house to make it safer? We definitely always want to think about supervision um, and that's water anywhere, whether it's at home or outside um, of the home. That's really our number one key. Um, So we would want to make sure that, especially with our younger children, that we are being really careful if there is um, any access to um, water in the home, such as, um, you know, the bathtub um, in the, in the um, bathroom, the toilet itself can be a risk. So making sure if you have younger children um, that the bathtub is always emptied immediately after use, that, um, that lids are put on uh, toilets so that a child can't open the lid. Um, and also a great idea is to have um, something on the doorknob so younger children can't actually even open the bathroom door to get in. Same goes for laundry areas. And then um, outside, this is something um, that happens frequently now with our nicer weather. If we're outside and washing our car, leaving any type of even buckets um, exposed, you know, where young children have access to them. So again, em- emptying them immediately Um, after use is is a great idea. A lot of people have pools, whether above ground or uh, in the ground, and pets as well. So how can we make our outdoor pool areas safe for for our children and pets? So um, we actually take um, an approach that it's it's multi-layers that um, should be utilized when we have um, a pool or a spa at home. So um, the first thing we talk about are uh, barriers, such as um, fences. Ideally, you'd want to have a four-sided fence that goes around the pool, um, and four-siding meaning that it goes completely around the pool itself, as opposed to maybe a three-sided fence where the the home is actually that fourth side, um, so that a four-sided fence would provide the best protection in a home where there was young children so that they wouldn't be able to go out a door um, and, and have access to a pool. The gate that, um, or the fence that a family might have um, around their pool is great for keeping maybe younger children in the neighborhood out. But again, if there's young children in the home, you might want to think more about that four-sided fencing. Um, also, the gate that is on the fence is really important. It wants to, You want it to be a um, self-closing, um, self-locking um, gate. Together, uh, the fencing and, and the gates, you know, can be really effective in, in keeping young children safe. Getting away from the pool, um, not into the pool, is, a, is another safety mechanism. And there are different um, 
recommendations that the Consumer Product Safety um, has on the type of fencing that you utilize in your home. So, you know, at least four feet, making sure that it's not a fence that a child could climb um, over, um, making sure there's vertical bars. You know, there's a lot of different um, measurement recommendations um, and also people want to check about their local um, safety codes that might be in place for them if they are thinking about getting a pool or if they're purchasing a home with a pool. Maureen, what about pool covers? And I don't just mean permanent ones in the winter, um, but sometimes people will put like a solar cover over their pool. And I've seen before where a dog has jumped in and got sucked down to the bottom and the cover kind of closes in over them. Um, And this can happen to children as well. Any advice on that? Sure. Um, Again, we want to make sure that um, having a cover um, on a pool is is mostly a safety, um, you know, barrier. We we look to that as another way to keep children out of the pool. But we have to look at the different types of pool covers, um, the maintenance of the pool covers, making sure that there are no gaps where a child or um, an animal could you know, fall underneath it. There are also um, alarms out there now, which are wonderful, not only for our doors, um, you know, whether they're a regular door or a sliding door, there are um, alarms. There are also alarms that can go onto a pool cover so that if there was any motion in the pool detected, um, you know, that would sound an alarm. There are also alarms that um, children can wear so that it, there would be um, an alarm to go off if a child went, um, you know, into the water or even perimeter alarms that we could put on to make sure that, um, you know, no one is by, is by the pool. So there are a lot of great new um, technology out there, um, and I would encourage anyone that has a pool in their home to really look into this and to see what they can do to keep their home safe. That's really good to know. I had no idea about the alarms for the pool or the kids. So that's mm-hmm. that's really uh, great suggestions. We live by the ocean. We're at the Jersey Shore. A lot of people you know, love to go there in the summertime. There's lakes. We have rivers. Sometimes people go swimming in areas that are unguarded or can be dangerous. Uh, what advice for those types of bodies of water? Yeah, I think making sure that, um, I think education is key here, making sure that uh, parents and children understand that swimming in any type of open water is going to be different than swimming in a pool. So if a, if a child may be competent, per se, in a pool, um, they've taken swim lessons and they, they um, you know, are able to, to swim in a pool without any difficulties, open bodies water are really a whole nother thing. Um, so one thing is just to make sure that everybody understands that um, there are so many hidden hazards that might be out there in uh, what we call open bodies of water, lakes, rivers, oceans, ponds. Um, there's limited visibility. There could be sudden drop-offs or uneven surfaces. There could be currents and undertoes. Um, so making sure that always entering feet first, never, never diving in, um, watch for these currents. Um, watch out for also maybe debris that might be in the water. Um, also rocks can be in, um, different, you know, bodies of water that we might not, you know, be able to recognize, uh, from the shoreline. And also storms can affect when we're out in open bodies of water, changes in air temperature, changes in water temperature, changes in the current, all of these things can affect, 
um, when someone is swimming in these open bodies. So it's really, um, you know, understanding that you want to make sure that someone has really strong swimming skills um, if they are going to swim in any type of um, open body of water. Um, Again, our other things that we put into our layers of protection include swimming in guarded areas, um, also making sure as a parent that there is constant supervision, Um, also using a life jacket when we're out in these um, open areas. Obviously, a um, U.S.-approved Coast Guard life jacket is required by everyone on a boat, but also, you know, for children, you want to make sure if you're around any of these open bodies of water that they're also, um, you know, a life jacket might be what your child needs to stay safe around them. I just want to remind our listeners, this is Jersey Shore Matters. I'm your host, Diane D'Olivera, and I'm speaking with Maureen Donnelly, a registered nurse and the Safe Kids Coordinator for Southern New Jersey, led by Cooper University Healthcare. We're discussing water safety. Uh, We are at the Jersey Shore. We hear about drownings, near drownings every year, and these are preventable accidents. Maureen, I wanted to just go through, um, you know, you mentioned some of the things we can do when you're in open bodies of water. Rip currents, of course, we hear about them all the time at the shore. There's warnings, uh, but people still go in despite the red flags. How can you get out of a rip current? Oh, that's that's actually, um, you know, a great question. And again, something that we want to make sure that both parents and adults, or excuse me, parents and children understand that um, this is something, if they are going to be swimming, that they need to be um, looking for. Um, so what to do if you get caught in one is, is one, to remain calm. Um, you want to make sure you're conserving your energy, um, and, and if someone is panicking, um, you know, that that can make the situation worse. You want to reverse, or excuse me, revisit, resist the urge to um, swim against the current. You want to try to swim parallel with the shore until you are free. Rip currents are typically, um, you know, currents that are in the water, mostly affecting people closer to the water surface. And what it is doing is pulling the water out back into the ocean in a certain area. Um, So if someone was to just try to swim out of that area, either to the left or to the right, um, they would get past it, hopefully, and then be able to swim in. If they're unable to do that, um, you want to try to just float on your back, tread water until, again, the current either dissipates or you're able to swim to the side. Um, Again, trying not to panic and uh, remain calm. Um, but sometimes just floating on your back to move to the side of, of the rip current is, is a good practice. And also signaling for help, raising their hand, calling out to a lifeguard, let them, or someone on shore, let them know um, that you are in need of help. But again, this is why it's so important to only swim in guarded, unguarded beaches um, where there are other people around, too. If somebody is drowning or signaling that they need help and there is not a lifeguard available, uh, here's another thing. I'm just wondering, you know, what you should do. What are the first steps you should take? We saw recently where a father went in after his daughter in the ocean and ended up drowning and she survived. But there are instances in pools also. A pool might be easier for a parent or somebody to jump in and and grab someone. But the person Mm -hmm. that's panicking or drowning 
I've seen people get dunked underwater by the person trying to help them because they are in a panic. What are some right. things you should do if you realize someone is in need of help? You know, we, we try to teach children about what to do if they recognize that someone needs help. And, you know, we talk a little bit about um, reach or throw, don't go. So if someone is in a pool and they don't know how to swim or they're not competent, you might want to, you know, throw them a life preserver. You might want to throw them, if you're in, um, you know, if you're maybe canoeing or something, the paddle for a person to grab onto. You might want to extend a, a stick even to somebody if you're in a lake or um, a river to try to have them grab onto it. We really, you know, worry about people trying to go in um, and save someone, especially if they don't know how to swim themselves. Um, Having someone call 911 is always, um, you know, a great idea too, having a a phone readily available. I mean, we say this even um, at pools, at residential pools that um, have your emergency plan in place. That's one of our other layers is that um, you should make sure that you have a phone accessible um, so that someone can call for help. Um, you want to have some type of um, life preserver or um, some flotation device that you could throw to someone if, if they are, you know, struggling and um, you are unable to go in and help them yourself. Uh, but again, it's why it's so important that uh, anybody that's watching Um, children that are swimming that they themselves do have the ability to swim. They've taken swim lessons. Maureen, I was also going to ask you about some proactive things people can do, such as, you know, learning CPR, especially if you do have children. That can always come in handy regardless if you're in a water setting or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's our other emergency, um, you know, um, advice is that uh, all parents should take CPR and should know what to do um, to help someone that, you know, has, has been drowning, to give rescue breaths. And, um, again, it's, it's not just for, for drowning, but um, it's, it's really important that all parents and caregivers understand um, how to correctly administer CPR. How old, Maureen, should children start taking swim lessons? Uh, that's a good question. So there's a lot of information out there on um, starting young. Um, I, I encourage parents to always check with their pediatrician because children develop at different um, rates, you know, so it might be um, different for um, children. Um, but children as, as young as one year, one years old have been taking, have uh, taken swim lessons and this has proved beneficial, um, if anything, just helping them learn how to float. Um, but formal swim lessons, um, we also, uh, the, the, targeted range is between one and four years old. Great. That they can learn how to float, and they can also learn some swimming skills at this point. Um, we have found that formal swimming lessons, so it's by a certified instructor, someone that is CPR certified, um, certified in administering swim lessons, has uh, shown to reduce the risk of drowning in children in that age group to almost 90%. So really important um, that there are good formal swimming lessons uh, given. Um, but again, this we never want a parent to think because a child has had swim lessons that they are drown-proof. Swim lessons should be continued from year to year. And, you know, parents need to make sure that they're watching the progress of children um, as they as they get older and making sure that their swim skills are still strong. Maureen, we are just out about of time. Was there anything else that you would like to add about water safety? I think just when we talked about our, our 
barriers or, um, or layers of protection, we want to make sure that we include all of them. So it is the, the barriers, um, the fencing, the alarms, the constant supervision. When we talk about supervision, we say that it should be close uh, within an arm's reach for children that are under four years old. Constant, that means no phone, no talking to anyone, no reading, um, and that that supervisor is capable, so they would be capable of administering um, CPR and helping a child get out of the water if needed. And our big push is to designate that water watcher, someone whose sole job at um, the party or a pool or even, you know, a beach is that they are watching the children and not doing anything else. And Maureen, for people who want more information, can they go to the Safe Kids website? Sure, yeah. They can go to, um, my website is uh, Safe Kids at Cooper. If they just Google that, it'll take you to my page. We also um, have more information listed at safekidsworldwide.org. And then there are some different sites that you could uh, look also for additional water safety um, information. The Consumer Product Safety Commission has a lot of great information on water safety. The National Drowning Prevention Alliance and even here in New Jersey, our New Jersey Swim Safety Alliance. Thank you so much. Maureen Donnelly, registered nurse with the Safe Kids program. She's the Safe Kids coordinator for Southern New Jersey, led by Cooper University Healthcare. Thank you so much for that helpful advice and have a safe summer yourself. Thank you. You too. You can hear Jersey Shore Matters with Diane D'Oliveira every Sunday morning on Press Communications, LLC.